0: Welcome to Conversations with Big Rich. This is an interview-style podcast. Those interviews are all involved in the off-road industry. Being involved, like all of my guests are, is a lifestyle, not just a job. I talk to competitive teams, racers, rock crawlers, business owners, employees, media and private park owners, men and women who have found their way into this exciting and addictive lifestyle. We discuss their personal history, struggles, successes, and reboots. We dive into what drives them to stay active in Off-Road. We all hope to shed some light on how to find a path into this world we live and love and call Off-Road.
1: Whether you're crawling the Red Rocks of Moab or hauling your toys to the trail, Maxis has the tires you can trust for performance and durability. Four wheels or two. Maxxis Tires are the choice of champions because they know that whether for work or play, for fun or competition, Maxxis Tires deliver. Choose Maxis. tread
0: victoriously. Have you seen 4Low Magazine yet? 4Low Magazine is a high-quality, well-written, four-wheel-drive-focused magazine for the enthusiast market. If you still love the idea of a printed magazine, something to save and read at any time, Forlow is the magazine for you. Forlow cannot be found in stores, but you can have it delivered to your home or place of business. Visit ForlowMagazine.com to order your subscription today. On today's episode of Conversations with Big Rich, we have Bailey Campbell. She's a rock crawler, U4 racer, Rebel rally driver, mother, wife, and the darling of the Campbell Racing royal family. (laughs) Bailey, thank you so much for spending some time and talking about your history. A lot of it I know, but I'm sure I'm going to come up with a bunch of surprises with this interview, (laughs) so thank you.
1: Hi, Rich. Yeah, um, I'm honored to be on your podcast today. Uh, You know, I've been listening to some of your episodes, and I was wondering when I would get a call from you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, you've been on the list, trust me. (laughs) <laughs> so let's uh let's start off right away and uh I know the answer to this question but maybe somebody doesn't out there. Where were you born and raised?
1: I was born in Gilbert, Arizona, and I have never moved anywhere else and I probably never will. I I love it here.
0: Awesome. And you are now I'm going to make a guess here. 23?
1: No, 25.
0: 25? Oh, girl, now I'm really feeling old. (laughs) Shelly and I were talking about this morning, and I said, she's 22. And and Shelly goes, no, she's got to be older than that. And I'm like, no, it can't be. (laughs) 25. I wish. I wish I was still 22. See, you're young enough to where I can ask that question. You never ask a woman her age, but you're young (laughs) enough where it doesn't really matter. Yep. So let's talk about those early years in Gilbert. Um, you know, you grew up with, a, with an off-road racing, rock-crawling family. Um, the first time I th- think I met you, you probably won't remet- remember it, but I think you were swaddled at an event. So um, let's talk about those early d- years and uh, what it was like, you know, growing up in Gilbert and being part of that, that racing heritage.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, My dad started the rock crawling stuff before I was even born. So around 1995 is when he got really into it. Um, I was born in 97. It really started with him taking my brother and I out to the rock crawling trails in Florence, Arizona with all of his rock crawling buddies and It was just an awesome environment to be around, especially growing up in the shop with him doing all the fabrication work and watching him and my uncle Nick build things together. My brother finally got into building things, and it really sparked an interest for me. Um, You know, my dad told me I couldn't race unless I got down to the shop and got my hands on some of the cars myself and really started to learn about them. And then there's a, a parade here called Gilbert Days Parade, and it's usually in November. And it was so much fun because my dad would literally bring every single car and take it through that parade. And I was so jealous. I never got to drive one. It was always him and his friends. And then my brother finally got to drive one himself. And, you know, they're in the middle of the streets crawling over the tires on them and just putting on a good show for the whole town. And I just really fell in love with it. And I didn't want anything else more than to get in one myself.
0: So. We'll get into your start in a little bit, but let's talk about young and going to school and yeah. what kind of student you might have been and where your interests lied, you know, <laughs> at that time.
1: Yeah. So I was really I I didn't show much interest through elementary school to junior high in the racing world. Um, you know, I kind of did my own thing. That was more of my dad and my brother's area. So it was mostly my mom and I doing our own thing, like typical girls going shopping, getting our nails done. Um, And then I did start going to the races more. And one thing that really got me interested was doing photography. Um, So I got into that. I started getting all of the photography classes in high school and bought my first camera, computer. And that was like my main thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I started my own company called Bailey Campbell Media. And it's kind of, I've pushed it way off to the side these days because I haven't had much time to do it. But photography was my thing. I was pretty much a straight A student. I'd say my least favorite class was science, like anatomy and, I don't know, making chemicals and stuff that I didn't have any interest in that. But um, history and math, oh God, I love those classes. And honestly, I finished as many credits as I could so that my senior year I only had to go to school for two hours and then that was the end of my day.
0: So did you, were you able to do that because you took summer school as well or were you traveling no, during just, the summer?
1: I traveled full time in the summer for all the racing and then, you know, I just kept my grades up and kept track of the credits that each class gave me that would also cover a lot of the classes that I would have to take when I went into college. And I just got a ton out of the way early.
0: Okay, so were you taking AP classes or just standard?
1: Um, I took a couple standard, or I'm sorry, a couple AP, but mostly standard.
0: All right. And when you were growing up, what did you want to become? Do you remember that the first thing you (laughs) said, this is what I want to do? Uh,
1: Junior high, it was a veterinarian.
0: Okay. And...
1: I loved animals at the time. My aunt Karen got me into um, a lot of horseback riding and I used to do gym with her and she had me doing barrels and pole racing um, on her horses and stuff. So that sparked an interest with animals. But um, as time went on for school and stuff, I just got more involved with my dad and my brother and that, it kind of, that got pushed to the wayside and I didn't take anything to pursue that.
0: So, While you were in high school, say, did you take any shop classes at all? Like, take automotive classes?
1: I did. I did. Um, I would say that my high school shop class wasn't, like, the best because the teacher, like, he had a lot of interest in showing kids how to weld and do woodworking and a little bit of working on vehicles, but my, my school wasn't... I, I don't know. Didn't have quite the budget to really spark more interest in kids that like it should have for something like that.
0: I I understand that they they took the focus away from from uh, hands-on type exactly stuff, yep. you know, and, and put it more toward technology, right? Yep. Yeah. So then, d- did you attend your like your senior prom and all those those kind of things as well? <laughs>
1: Um, I think I went to two homecomings. um, And I dated a guy outside of school. And I didn't really have any interest in bringing him into the crowd that I hung around. Um, I hung out with more of his friends. And he actually lived an hour away in a town called Kearney. And so, I w- didn't really show much interest in going to the proms or anything, but the, my first two years of high school, I did go to homecoming.
0: okay. so how do you how do you meet a guy that's from an hour away? <laughs> as, high school, as, some, as somebody in high school?
1: So I think uh, his name is Eli, and he came down to the shop looking for a job here. Um, as a fabricator and to get his hands on some welding and learn more from my dad because he did follow my dad's racing career. Um, and then he ended up taking a job here and we started dating.
0: Ah, okay. I do, <laughs> I do remember Eli now. Okay.
1: Yeah. And he, he pops around every once in a while and helps us out still. So. Good.
0: Awesome. So when you finally got a chance to come out and rock crawl – Because I think that's what you did first. Um, Do you remember which event it was?
1: Was it, uh, was it it Cortez? Oh, yes, it was Congress. Yes.
0: Yeah, I I remember remember... Cortez because that was while you were racing as well.
1: Yes, (laughs) it was Congress. Okay. I remember uh, doing it in my dad's unlimited buggy and trying to help him roll it over, back over on one of the courses. (laughs) That picture just popped up recently.
0: (laughs) Really? (laughs) So you were out of the car trying to lift the car?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a lot of effort um for such a a tiny person. I mean Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't think I was doing much of anything there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but being the crowd favorite.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I
0: think that you always have been. That's the impression I've always got is everybody everybody's always pulled for you. Um I mean everybody loves your family, you know, your brother and your dad. Um, and especially your mom, but you are the like I said, the darling of the royal family and uh people really want to see you succeed.
1: It's much appreciated, it really is.
0: Do you uh do you ever feel that uh that that's a lot of pressure?
1: No, I don't feel much pressure in that aspect at all. Um, you know, my dad has always taught me like to be respectful and never take anything for granted. You know, I've, he's taught me how to work for something that I really want. And I feel like I've done that.
0: Right. Because like you said earlier, he, he required you to come down and work in the shop before you got a shot at it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And is that to, to prove that you really want it? Or do you think it's to just give you the hands on so that you know what you have to do and maybe how the car handles better and all that what do you think think
1: it's I think it's both you know um I don't think he just wanted me to work on it to like put in my effort or whatnot but to make sure that it's actually something I enjoyed doing like it was an interest not just quite a hobby but something that I would want to keep going at but then it also taught me the fundamentals of how the car works and um, little things to watch out for during a race. Like, Oh, you need to watch your temps. You know, if the car feels this way or it's upset going through the whoops, like throttle it out, don't get on the brakes right away. And that's also something that my co-drivers have taught me tremendously.
0: Okay. And, uh, which do you, I I know what the answer is going to be. I'm going to be disappointed. Which did you, did you enjoy more the racing going fast or the rock crawling?
1: Uh, actually, I truly enjoy the rock crawling. Oh, I think... you just, <laughs> you
0: just made my day.
1: <laughs> really, really. I think cause I started out in it, that technical stuff, it just, oh my God, I can't tell you how much I love it. That's one thing at the hammers and even our last race, like they kept telling us like there's going to be real rock horses. You're going to be winching. You're going to have to have technical stuff going on. And I was just so excited because that I feel like that's what I'm good at, you know. I don't get frustrated. I just I take my time. And one big thing was that the throttle control that my dad taught us when we first started rock crawling is, you know, don't don't make the car jerk a lot. Just like that, even pedal with the throttle and the brake at the same time is important, you know, just to keep the car. I don't even know the word. Um, just to keep it going and not mess up basically. Right. But yeah, the rock crawling and the technical aspect of it has always been my favorite.
0: I'm so happy to hear that. You've made <laughs> you've made me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's talk um let's talk more about the rock crawling then. The okay. your dad, I remember your dad spotting for you early on. Or <laughs> was it your uncle Nick?
1: Uh my dad started first.
0: Right. And I can remember one of the things that I always used to have to tell him was to keep his hands off the car. Yeah, He liked to hold the cage as you were driving or touch (laughs) the tire, you know, while you were moving. And it was like, you know, Shannon, you can't touch the car. And he didn't even know he was doing it.
1: I know. I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he, he was, so he was my first co-driver and... I loved him being my co-driver or I'm sorry, spotter. But I think because we work on the cars together we're tw- around each other 24/7, we had that that bickering problem like he said I should go one way when I thought I should be kind of throttling and going the other way. So he he saw things differently outside the car as to what I was seeing inside the car. Okay. And as a spotter, I know he he's there to help me.
0: Right. So then who spotted for you after your dad?
1: Uh, It was my Uncle Nick. And then so my my dad was my first spotter in Congress. And then we went on to Cortez and my Uncle Nick spotted there for me the first time. And I accidentally ran him over.
0: (laughs) I remember that. And then I think that's when he decided not to to spot any longer.
1: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> that was his last one <laughs>
0: <laughs> does he uh when he's around uh, the shop and you're moving cars does he keep well out of the way still or
1: <laughs> um no i think we've gotten better if i think we're past that <laughs> okay that's
0: good <laughs> i know you he you didn't mean to because the that climb was a bump climb in a yes. and a and kind of a a uh blind area as you came up over the crest and right he, uh He was not in the right position either, Nick. So if you hear this, Nick, sorry, but I'm going to throw you under the bus instead of the young one. But that's why we have communication too, you know. So yes, definitely. So there at Cortez, you got to drive both cars on the first day, and you were supposed to jump into the Pro Mod, but wanted to stay in the Unlimited. That was uh, that surprised me. Was it? Why did you like the Unlimited better than the Pro Mod?
1: Well. I hate to bring it up, but actually, for that race, we had a, another conflict with another competitor who didn't see that I should be driving both classes right. for points reasons. Um, so I chose to do the unlimited because I was already uh, farther ahead in, for the day in points. Um, so I just stuck with the the car that I thought would basically put me on the podium. Okay. I tremendously enjoyed both classes, though. I would drive either one of those cars today if they were available.
0: <laughs> right. Now, anybody out there hearing that that wants to, to get Bailey back into crawling, all you need to do <laughs> is find a car for her.
1: <laughs> yes. I'm down. I'm down. Brian said he would be my spotter, so let's go. <laughs> well, there you go.
0: Uh, Brian spotted me one time on the Rubicon. Up through, nice, uh yeah. Up through the – we were leaving Jeepers Jamboree. And I was following all the Gen guys, and he was like the last one in line. And those guys all had big tires, lots of horsepower. And on my Cherokee, I've got thirty fives and no horsepower. And we get the property line, and it's just a bunch of boulders. You know, just everything's moving. And yeah. and he kicked one rock into a hole, and then he goes, "Okay, drive it." And <laughs> of course, it just drove went right up. But it was uh, it was nice. Oh man. So go ahead. Okay,
1: go ahead. (laughs) No,
0: let's talk about the Rubicon.
1: Yeah. So I went on the Rubicon for the first time with Brian a few years ago and it was so much fun. We ended up taking his JL that we actually had just got done kind of putting together together. And that was really fun as well. Um, And that those trails are just something else, you know, with all those beautiful trees and the the slab type rock and it was so much fun
0: the vistas are incredible they are it's not it's not a difficult trail as far as rock crawling trail goes but mm-hmm. it's it is it's still iconic because of the views and the distance yeah right and so did you uh have you done the rubicon besides doing it during jamboree
1: i have not
0: okay jamboree though is fun would you agree?
1: Oh Yo, yeah, no, it was a blast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember your dad coming up with uh with his brother and, and your grandfather a number of times and then I think your brother came up one time. Yeah but I never was up there while you were up there. Um yep. but it was it it can kind of you know, it's not it's not for kids.
1: No. 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 Not that weekend.
0: <laughs> yeah, the following weekend is the, the family run. <laughs> yeah. So anybody no, hearing that, always, go ahead.
1: There was always something going on, you know, it was constant fun for sure.
0: Absolutely. And so for anybody that's never been on the Rubicon and uh, would like to experience it, I do recommend people go on Jeepers Jamboree f- for the first time on the con for the just the simple fact that you get guided, you could learn where the actual trail's at. There's rock rollers out there and there's a heck of a party at the springs while you're there for a couple of days.
1: Yeah and I think registration opens up pretty soon, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I believe it does. It's I think it I don't know if they do it right at the first of the year or earlier than that. I've been trying okay. to get Sweeney on here for two <laughs> years and oh. he wants to do it in person and now that I'm stuck not stuck in Placerville, but now that I'm in Placerville, I gotta make that happen. So let's go. talk about the uh, the start of your racing career. Actual coming <laughs> out in racing.
1: So like Dirt Riot.
0: Yeah, that's where you. Okay. That's where you cut your teeth, right?
1: Yep, sure is. I think it was Colorado Springs was my first one in the solid axle car that was originally my dad's fishing rig. Um, he finally said, "All right." Let's get this seat adjusted, get you some brake pedal um, extensions and throttle pedal extensions so you can reach, and let's go try a first dirt ride race. And I think we ran into some radiator problems. I don't even remember if we actually finished that race, but that was my first one and I haven't stopped since. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't remember if that was the race where you guys showed up and didn't have a chance to pre-run for very much. And there was a, and I remember one time your dad took off and I don't know if it was just himself or it was you and him, but he ran the, the, uh, the qualifier was going to be the very first beginning of the race track and then pull off. And he kept going and ran the whole thing.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: And I was like, you know, we had to wait because, of course, he's coming around. And uh, I was like, you know, why did you do that? And he was like, well, I I needed to to learn the track, you know. I was like, well, that's not the time to do it.
1: (laughs) Oh, only my dad. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So one of the things that I've noticed about you is that you're you're very smooth. You're not on and off the throttle, um, as much herky jerky throttle as I've seen. A lot of the guys, you know, they're just hard on into it, into a corner. They break hard, and then they power out, and it. They look like they're going really fast, but all of a sudden, when you see those qualifying times, you know, you were you were there. I mean, <laughs> that I noticed that in in. Moab was probably the first time I really paid attention to it because after you, as you were qualifying, I was like, yeah, that's not going to hold up. That was, that time wasn't very fast (laughs) because you just look so smooth out there. It was just like, you weren't on the throttle enough. And I think you ended up qualifying like second or third. And I was like, well, I was wrong there. (laughs) Was that, is that intentional or do you, do you like to be, you know, smooth as fast, I believe, but, um, is it, is it what was taught to you? Cause your, your brother certainly doesn't drive that way.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my dad's biggest thing was always throttle control, especially with the rock crawling stuff. Um, and then I think it, it kind of just carried over to anything desert as well. Um, I think it also helped that he was in the co-driver seat for a lot of my first dirt riot races. And he was saying, you know, like, go, 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 or like, slow down, slow down. And then he would, his biggest thing was always give it finesse, always do finesse. And that would be coming out of a corner or going over a rock pile that might have been in the middle of the course or something like that. So it was definitely something taught and it has stuck. So,
0: and I I think that it, that it's shown to work, especially for you.
1: Yeah. Like you said, smooth is
0: fast. So let's talk about those races. Um, The dirt right races, like Moab, I know that that was a special moment. By the by, the (laughs) time the awards came around, but talk about that racetrack.
1: Uh, Moab has always been my favorite. Um, I wish we raced there more often. The rock crawling combined with the miniature, like short course jumps and stuff. I just feel like we've had so much, so many memories there, so many problems and so many good moments that it's, it's just always been one of my favorites. Um, I wish I could remember more of my races there during Dirt Riot, uh, but definitely my favorite place to be.
0: I think it was your first podium.
1: It was, yeah, with my dad.
0: Yep. And your dad could hardly talk.
1: <laughs> I have the picture of him crying and hugging me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was an awesome moment. And those are the moments that that we lived for that we live for is seeing that with especially, you know, we're not doing the dirt right anymore, but with the rock crawls, we have a lot of young ladies and young kids out competing nowadays. I mean, I got kids yeah. as young as five years old out rock crawling now. <laughs> and that's so cool. It it really is. And you're you know, the one of the things when the parents call me and say, "Hey, I want to get my kid started." And I say, "Okay, first thing is is who's spotting." And they'll say, "Well, I'm going to spot." And I said, "Okay. Remember that if you yell at your kid, I'm <laughs> yanking you out, not your kid, but I'm yanking you out." Yeah. You know, you have to communicate but not yell.
1: Yes. Because, That's a great rule. I like that.
0: You know, parents, it it's from coaching sports, youth sports. I used to see coaches and parents yell at their kids and the kids just shut down. And it's like, that's not the way to do it. So I, I didn't, I wouldn't let pay people, uh, you know, yell at their kids. Um, I wish I could get that to happen between husbands and wives or boyfriends and girlfriends. (laughs) Um, you know, there, there was a lot of that going on too, the yelling, but you know, that's, they're adults. They can figure that out. Yeah. So Let's talk uh, some more about, you know, the racing when you, when you finally got done with Dirt Riot, you know, and your dad, I know your dad wanted to break you in, you know, that's the whole idea behind what was behind Dirt Riot was giving a place for people to, to have a chance to learn how to go fast and to complete races. And then you guys, then you started racing Ultra 4. Yep. Yeah.
1: So it went from We Rock dirt riot and then straight into ultra 4 in the 4400 class um, and as my dad' always says he's throwing me in with the wolves <laughs> to learn so <laughs> and,
0: how intimidating I mean was it's that?
1: working <laughs> uh you know I didn't really find it very intimidating um I think having Brian Miller as my co-driver you know he's always kept me pretty calm and everybody says he talks your ear off but not in the car you know he's he's pretty quiet he Tells or he talks when he wants to or needs to, and you know he helped me figure things out. And now he always says, "I barely talk at all because she's she just knows what to do."
0: Right, that's that's awesome. I, you know, I'm I'm going to be interviewing Ryan today after your interview. (laughs) And when I was communicating back and forth with him, I said, "Yeah, I'm I'm going to be interviewing Bailey before you," and he goes, "My Bailey."
1: Oh, Miller!
0: <laughs> yep, Miller. He is quite the character.
1: He is. Gotta so, love him.
0: So let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about you know the um, until we get into specific races here about you and Brian. Um, okay. How did how did that all transpire?
1: Let's see. I think it'll be about. I've already lost track. It's terrible. About four or five years now that we've been together this November. And it's funny because it was one night at the Ultra 4 Awards banquet. He saw me on stage and leaned over to one of our good friends. Um, we call him Hollywood, but his name's Dave Yolberg and said, Who is that? And said, I was very beautiful. And, you know, Dave has always really watched over me. Cause like, I'm his own daughter. He has two girls of his own and he's like, that's Bailey Campbell. Um, and you kind of like reamed him like, don't you dare. And um, <laughs> Dave actually ended up giving him my phone number and Brian had texted me a few days later on our way to SEMA after the awards banquet. And we ended up meeting at a Fox party during SEMA and really hit it off. He took me out to dinner Um, We went out on the skyscraper and did the drop thing, or the needle, whatever it's called, in Vegas. Right. And just been together ever since. (laughs) He actually came down after SEMA to help us get ready for Baja and um, decided last minute he was going to go and help us pit. And, yeah, we've just been together ever since, and I wouldn't change it for the world.
0: (laughs) So how many people did that same threat to to Brian about you? I know I did. (laughs) Oh,
1: so many people. I was getting messages like, hey, I hope you know I messaged him to let him know that if he hurts you, he's a dead man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: How did that feel? Even my mom. Oh, it was your mom? (laughs) (laughs) I know she smiled big time when I said it at the Hammers when you guys walked up and I said, you know, hey, Brian, I've known you for a long, long time, (laughs) which I have. you know, I've known him Yeah, 20 plus years, but I was like, you know, but this girl here is like a granddaughter to me, you know, (laughs) so don't mess this up. And he looked at me like, uh, yeah, no, I'm not going to.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it was funny to see how many people really have watched me grown up and, you know, Brian, he's a little bit older, you know, and, um, but I mean, I don't look at it that way. It's just, it's funny. He's been in our world and I didn't really know much of him. I had never really heard of him and he's literally been around that long and has just as many of the same friends together that I've known for years and grown up with.
0: Right. Well, I'm glad you guys hit it off and things are working out for you. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Now you got, you got kids.
1: Oh yes. Our, uh, our sweet little angel.
0: <laughs> and how old is she now?
1: She'll be 2 in February. Her name's Emery and she is just a firecracker. She's uh she's starting to really talk and pick up on things and it's really been fun to see her really wrap her finger around Brian or wrap around Brian's finger, you know.
0: Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, he's got it, that that's a thing that happens to dads with girls. It, oh, it yes. really does. So what was, uh, let's talk about going to Baja. Okay. How, how did that, how did that transpire? How did, uh, and you got, you raced as well, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. So I think that was my second time in Baja and I finally got to do a race, um, because the car hadn't finished. Oh no, I'm sorry. That would have been no my second time. And Brian went down with us our, my third time there and actually was my co-driver, Um, and we ended up taking second place.
0: Excellent. And that was the Baja 1000? Yes. Okay. And so you've raced three times or two times in the thousand? Three times. Three times. Okay. Cool. And what class did you race the 4,400 class down there or was it class one?
1: Nope. Uh, 4,400, the Hammer King Unlimited.
0: Hammer King Unlimited. Okay, cool. And, uh, what do you think of Baja?
1: That place is amazing. Um, the it, my favorite part is probably pre running because you're going at not a fast enough pace, but a slow enough pace to really see the terrain change. Um, it could be like this washy sand, and then immediately go into this harsh gravel, and then then there's just cactus everywhere out of out of the blue. It's it's just amazing how fast everything changes down there.
0: Right. And what do you think of uh, like the people down there? Did you get a chance to interact with the locals?
1: Yeah. So every we we have a great guy who sets our hotels up and stuff. His name's Roto. And he puts us usually in hotels that are kind of in town to where we can walk around and really interact with a lot of the locals and see all the cool food places and try all the new things. So I think that was something really cool to... Um, to
0: interact with and whatnot. Right. Let's, uh, what, what part of the race down there, you know, I know the pre-running is cool. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I like driving back the race course after I've been down there helping teams or whatever, but what is it like on race day racing in that Baja 1000?
1: Um, It's, it's really, it I don't even know how to explain it. It's, it's not like going to just your typical 4,400 race around here in the States. It's, it's something you have to really prepare for and have tons of checklists. And once you get down there, like a little bit of weight drops off your shoulders. And then finally, when race morning or race night, whatever time you're going, um, it's kind of just you feel relieved that you're finally in the car and it's still in one piece and you're moving. Um, And then your main goals are just to keep it together so that you get to the finish line, because that's one of the biggest things in Baja is finishing the thousand, no matter what place it is.
0: Right. You know, like they say, you have to finish first before you can, you have to finish first. You have to finish before you can finish first. Right. 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 And (laughs) and crossing that finish line is, is always the goal in a race that's that long. Yeah. And what was it like co-pilot or having Brian co-pilot for you down there?
1: It, It was a very long race. And I can tell you that we only bickered once and it was 50 miles before the finish line. And because our GPS stopped working, he couldn't tell me when the turns were coming up at a certain time that he liked and he thought I was going too fast into the corner and needed to slow down. (laughs) So, but that was like the only time we argued and it's just funny telling that story because I feel like Brian and I, we clash very well and we can read each other's minds and as well as Miller's and we just, we, we all know what's going on (laughs) no matter what seat we're in.
0: Excellent. So the, when you when you're 50 miles from the end and you're thinking about you're that close, um, what what's going through your mind as you're as you're getting closer and closer to that finish line?
1: Oh, I cried. My eyes were watering, and it it's just a huge accomplishment in its own because the two years prior to that we hadn't finished because we had issues with the car, and it was always before I was actually getting in the car to do my part of the race. So it just made it that much more emotional to finally be crossing the finish line.
0: And in that last, so you ran the last leg. Mm-hmm. Did you have a chance to, to get a lot of passing in? Um, maybe not within your class, but maybe other classes.
1: Yeah, we did. We did. I couldn't tell you what classes we passed. Um, but yeah, there was still quite a few people moving in front of us that we did end up passing.
0: And what's it like passing down there? Cause I know that, that the trails that they put you on <laughs> roads or whatever you want to call them, they're not necessarily really wide until yeah. you find like the silt beds, you know, which can yeah. then become miles wide. So yep. what was it so, like trying to get around people?
1: It was a little sketchy. I can tell you that coming in on the farm roads um, where we also had speed limits and then it would be wide open and then go back into speed limits. It's, you only have so much time to pass too. So you really had to watch on the GPS where you had those openings and it could get a little sketchy. And especially we were racing the last, leg, so it was daylight. Um, there's still a lot of spectators out. And that was the biggest thing that I was always worried about and still am, um, was always me hitting a spectator.
0: Right. Cause one of the things my first time down there, I was with BFG and working one of their pits and we were we were we were expecting the the motorcycles that already come through we were expecting <laughs> the trophy trucks at any time and we were near Catavina and they're in a canyon and they come out toward us on the road to 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 fish camp and they we see all these lights coming and it's like all right, you know, here come the trophy trucks. Man, they're a little early. And it happened to be a bunch of the locals in a pickup truck with big high-powered flashlights and lots of lights on the on their pickup truck, but there was like four people in the cab and eight people in the in the bed of the truck going down the racetrack.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: At night. And after they passed, probably 10 minutes later, all of a sudden, you see the it looked like a city coming through the canyon, and it was mm-hmm. the first trophy truck. And I was just absolutely amazed at how much difference the light was with that with those guys with all the race lights on. But yeah, I was all I could think about was I hope those guys in that pickup truck get off course.
1: Yes. Oh man.
0: And it's pretty crazy down there with with you know I don't know if they if the if the locals creating the booby traps is still a thing. Um, I haven't heard so much about booby traps lately, but I'm sure they're still out there. I
1: haven't either. And, you know, my dad and my brother, my dad has raced Baja way back in the day with Mike Palmer. And so he was aware of all that stuff. And I know he really taught my brother himself when they went down for the first time, like what to watch out for. And then finally, when I decided that I wanted to go and try it, my mom and him were both very, very worried about me going down there. Um, so we had JT Taylor knew a guy down there. His name was Javier. And, um, he was basically my bodyguard for the two weeks that we were down there. And he, you know, he made me aware of all the booby traps and like what could go wrong if like you were broken down on the course, like as soon as you break down, you radio us and tell us so that we can come pick you up because you don't know where you're at per se. There could be what do they call them, Bambitos or something like that down there, or, you know, some a random truck could just come by and try and take you. And there, there's certain things that you need to know about before you go to Baja, especially being a young girl.
0: Right. Nope. I can remember being down there with, uh, with Jesse Combs, uh, when she came down with pistol Pete and I was helping Pete out and, uh, you know, same thing. We just kept telling her, you know, you don't, you know, you don't go wandering off by yourself. One of us has always yeah. got to be with you when we're around in town or anything like that, just to just to be safe. Yeah. So then let's talk about your marketing partners and <laughs> some of the things that you're that you had going um that were a little different than just say you know, regular automotive type things. Okay. So discuss some of your partners.
1: So our biggest partner is Monster Energy. My dad's been with them since I think 2008 and has been with them ever since. Um, and he kind of just carried us over onto his contracts. And my brother and I have been with them, I think, since 2015 Um, and they've been great. Um, one of our biggest sponsors, and then we've been with Fox forever since I started racing. I can't believe how far they've come in technology and the way that they work with us and the time they're willing to give us at each race is hands down the best race support ever. Um, our biggest thing is tuning our cars before KOH and at the races. So when they come out to a race, it's really helpful when they're able to help us set up the car, um, and give us a little insight on valving and spring changes. Mike Kim's been a big part of that as well as Matt Taylor. And then I have my, my own shock guru in the car with me all the time, Ryan Miller. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, so he's constantly changing tubes and, um, my preloads and, ride height and whatnot and <laughs> I'm still trying to learn it all. It's a lot. It is a lot to mess with. But so Fox Shocks has always been a big supporter as well. Um someone new that we have brought on is Evan Weller Racing and he's currently started rebuilding all of our um front and rear differentials. Um motive gear has always supplied the gears and whatnot, but Evan Weller's um team has been building them this year and we haven't had any issues, so it's, it's been really nice to finally be in point of contact with somebody to ask them questions like, hey, why is the rear end doing this, or why is the front diff not locking up correctly, and they are instantly there to support us and get it rebuilt and sent back out. Oh, who Excellent. else is there? Um, Oil has always been a big supporter as well, giving us our fluids there's so many, Rich. There's so many, and I, want, I just can't think them all I to talk about
0: your, not the team's.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Well, you, it's, you have a, a clothing company?
1: Oh, yes, Off the Grid. There you go. <laughs> yep, Off the Grid has started a women's line. And last year, um, before I got pregnant, they came and fitted me for their first women's kestrel pants and as well as the Bailey flannel and that has really taken off Uh, they are a pant that is for basically anything daily wear um, off-road use fishing in the shop working on them they're they're just a really durable pant that any woman that's wanting to get them dirty and not get skinned up or rip them or anything like that it's they're really cool and I, I love them the Bailey flannel is also the same way he made Josh Patterson he made them to where they're meant for daily use and getting I don't what like in the rough I guess fishing and whatnot
0: <laughs> okay excellent are there any others that are like specifically for you that you have marketing nope. partners nope that okay.
1: nope it is all team
0: excellent let's talk. About the rebel. Okay. So how did you, how did that come about where you said, okay, I got to go do this.
1: So ARB, one of our sponsors actually came to me because one of their um, employees wanted to take part in it. And they suggested having somebody that ran their product in the racing world be teamed up with them. So my teammate was Kendra Miller and, oh, man, I miss her. I haven't seen her in a few years now. But um, they, we met over an email saying, like, hey, would you be interested in doing the Rebel? Um, you know Emily Miller, who's putting on this event. And we think it'd be really cool if you guys took one of our prepared Jeeps out of the fleet and took it to the rally. So that's how that started. Um, it was really funny and just kind of out of the blue Miller or Kendra is just she's hilarious even over an email you know she would ask me like what my favorite snacks were like what's something that nobody else knows about me and we would just email each other stuff random things back and forth just so we could get to know each other before we met in person and I ended up picking up our first jeep that we did the rally in at off-road expo in Pomona and brought it home with me to kind of go through um and put the uh, the equipment in for the rallying. Just get it ready and start packing it. Finally, um, Kendra flew down and <laughs> we met for the first time, and we really hit it off.
0: And what did you think of the rally, the the format and how it was put together for for you ladies?
1: Uh, I think it was a it was very well thought out. You know, Emily Miller, she doesn't do anything that she's not super confident in she's she always thinks the highest and doesn't miss one step it everything just seems to be really perfect and she i think has really planned the rally out and just made it so much fun but technical and willing to do over and over again
0: and how many times did you get a chance to run it
1: I've done it twice.
0: Twice. Do you expect that you'll be able to get back out there sometime?
1: I I really hope so. Um, the last two years, it has overlapped our nationals race to where I wouldn't be able to ma- make it back in time. So I haven't been able to do it. Um, but hopefully next year, we can find something to compete in.
0: Yeah, it's a little later next year, the dates. Oh,
1: did she already release the dates? Yes. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, in fact... Um, Let me see here. I can do this here. I can figure this out on my phone. (laughs) It's, it's, it always amazes me. I can talk on the phone plus use it to look things up. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm old school. I'm old, meaning I'm old. Yeah. The, uh, the Rebel is, the gala will be on the 21st of October and it'll start like, um, the twelfth or thirteenth, something like that. I think. Okay. So it's it's a lot earlier this year. Instead of being the, that first week, it'll be like the second, third week.
1: Cool. All right. Well, I will start looking into that.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure of what the the Ultra Four Nationals are going to be like this this next year, but hopefully it works out. Yes. <laughs> and uh, if you go again, do you have an idea who you want to be your partner?
1: Well I we'll always go to Kendra first to see if she's available. Um I think we know how each other works now as far as navigating and driving and the way we navigate together. And I think we were just a good combo.
0: And then, you know, you have um her husband. I can't remember her his name her name his name right now. Nate. Nate it's that's Nate. it. Yeah. He is a hilarious guy on there.
1: Oh, I know you know,
0: as a team manager, you know, putting up the postings and stuff. I never get to see him until afterwards most of the time because I'm out there, you know, but, um, it's, it's pretty hilarious. Yes. (laughs) So let's talk about the future for, for Bailey Campbell. Where, what are, what are your dreams and aspirations?
1: You know, at the beginning of the year, I actually have a, like the notes section in my phone, and I just have these main goals that I, I feel like I need to accomplish, and the first one being to be the first queen of the hammers, of course, and then um, I would love to Iron Woman the Baja 1000 at some point, and then I'd really like to travel overseas for just Maybe like any type of racing, whether it be Dakar, a rally of some sort, or um, an Ultra Four Series on that side, but just something different. I'm ready to try something new.
0: Have you approached Monster with that? Because I know they do a lot of stuff overseas.
1: I have not. um, Just kind of the, I think Monster has their own division on the European side. Um, So I just, I've never really gone force with
0: that. Okay. Okay, and uh, what about besides the racing career? Um, I know you guys got into a house and got it remodeled and all that kind of stuff. Are there? Are you planning on more kids, or is one enough? <laughs> what's the? What's the? What's the goal there in motherhood? You're still no. young at twenty five.
1: I one and done. I am one good with done. one <laughs> little girl. I am so good, and I think Brian's on the same page. Uh, we're having fun and. We just can't wait to teach her all kinds of stuff. I think she's going to have a very broad horizon of like racing and camping and fishing, but shopping with her grandma. And she's just going to learn so many things. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't take the attention away from her and have another kid. I just, I I can't do it. And I just, I don't. I just don't want to have any more kids. I think I'm good
0: <laughs> excellent, excellent. There's nothing wrong with that one and done is <laughs> one and done is fine so yeah the uh I'm an only child, so I didn't mind <laughs>
1: okay everybody tells me like, oh no she, you can't make her be an only child and i I disagree with that. I think if you teach them things and you're with them there as they grow up it's it's different
0: I agree, I agree. They, as long as they're they're not being left alone. Yes, right. Yes, and uh, you guys have a a really big extended family. That's one yes. thing about Campbell, the Campbells. I mean it, it. They don't even. I mean, I'm always amazed when I come down to the shop um, <laughs> where there'll be people working, and I'm like, Oh, you guys got employees? Oh no, they just came down to help. You, know, and you come out to the races, and there's twenty five or thirty guy, people there that are mm-hmm. just doing whatever needs to be done. You guys have really attracted a great group of people. And that's yeah. that's a, a testament to, you know, not only your dad and your mom, but, you know, the to your, you and your brother and everybody else. Because those people that are showing up to help are getting younger and younger as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, we've been blessed with a, a huge family, and I'm very thankful for that.
0: So, Last but not least, let's talk about the year that we all thought you were going to win. <laughs> you you popped up there all of a sudden. I mean, you were running at the top, and everybody that led the race was, you know, for some reason dropped out. And then, you know, I mean, you, you passed a lot of people, but, you know, talk about that race and what happened and and how— I know it was disappointing because if you're in the lead like that and you're, and you're just cranking it along, but go ahead and talk about that if you would.
1: Yeah. No, every time it gets brought up, you know, I get, I get a little bit emotional and it makes me cry a little bit. And it's, so it was the year before I got pregnant with Emery and it just, I felt so ready and the race was going perfectly. Um, we started that morning didn't have one issue nothing was going wrong we didn't have any flats we didn't have to get out of the car one time to winch or for miller to spot me through the rock trails um we just kind of kept hearing over the radio uh the like the leader kept dropping down dropping down and finally we actually came up around the corner to go down resolution and into back door and we saw jason shear the leader at the time Um, was pulled over and he was standing on the roof of his car um, waving me on as well as Jason Berger in the front waving me on um, because they knew they knew I was the new leader and I think Miller and I both bawled our eyes out a little bit in the car (laughs) Um, and then we went across I can't remember the name of the lake bed but it's it's on the far end side getting ready to go through all the rock trails again. And my water pump pulley gave out and cracked, and there was no way to fix it. Um, We were stopped there, I want to say, for about a half hour before the next guy, Cameron Steele, passed us to take the lead. And he literally broke right on the other side of the mountain after that. And, you know, it was just, all you could do is just sit there and think, like, why? (laughs) Like, what the heck? Did it really just have to happen? Um, but I grew up with the never quit attitude. So Miller and I radioed into the pits to find out where my dad was at, and he ended up bringing out a new water pump, and we got it fixed on the trail, and uh, we got moving again, and we ended up finishing twenty second still.
0: That that was that was awesome that you guys were able to finish.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was. It's, it was still a huge accomplishment in itself because, you know, we didn't just stop and quit and think we're stranded out here. we're Our day's over. We, we kept trying to figure out a way to get the car to the finish line and it just made it that much better.
0: Right. And have any of the other races felt since then that, that you had a really good shot at it?
1: Um the one year that I finished 5th um as with Terry Madden as my co-driver that that day was perfect. Um I know the leader was way ahead of where we were at but that race was just going so well and it it just felt really good.
0: And what have you learned what have you learned from your your navigators and especially for for something like King of the Hammers, which I would imagine also translates over to Baja.
1: Yeah. So every co-driver has been different. And I've been asked this question a lot lately. Um, You know, I have Miller, my rock crawling guru. Uh, I love it because he loves the rock crawling too. And it's just so technical and fun between both of us. Uh, And then I had Terry Madden, who was great in the desert. He, he taught me where to pick up the pace and where to knock it down a notch when I was getting out of hand or the car wasn't settling right. Um, he kind of just kept me on my toes a lot, and he helped me finish a lot of my races. Um, my dad always was, you know, keep your finesse. Don't break the car early. Like, keep that attrition to where you're going to make the car finish. Um my brother's even been my co-driver a couple times and he was more so him and Brian were more so um, about helping me figure out when I needed to shift. Um, because <laughs> a funny fact, Ryan Miller and Terry Madden both had to shift for me for the longest time in my solid axle car, because when I was first learning, like I didn't know how to listen to the RPMs and when to shift and when to downshift when we're hitting going into a rock section and whatnot. So that's always something really embarrassing to tell because it's I felt kinda helpless when that was going on. <laughs> but then um they finally said, Okay, you need to figure this out. It's uh it's a little hard shifting from the passenger seat for you.
0: <laughs>
1: but we had we had it down. We had a, a good system going.
0: And um, now you but, have now they've added something else to your plate.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um but that was always fun. Uh so Brian and my brother they always helped me more so inside the car in that way um the shifting aspect because Brian's very good at short course. Um uh, my brother's also very good at it. They had a lot of experience with that type of racing and I think that's helped me a lot. So the every every co-driver I've had, every spotter I've had has taught me something new.
0: Okay. So I remember talking to you and saying, you know, once your dad gives you some real horsepower, (laughs) you're going to, you're going to really start kicking it into another gear. And you finally, you finally graduated to the bigger motor Mm -hmm. and a real, a real car. You got rid of that straight axle car that you were driving, um, (laughs) which was a beautiful car. But they gave you the, you know, you got into the the big car. Was that the year, the bigger motor, was that the year that that the water pump went out, broke?
1: No, I have had, let's see, I've had that, I had that car a year before that.
0: Okay. Did you, were you, what what was it like when you finally, when your dad said, okay, you get to get a bigger motor now?
1: (laughs) It was really a whole new learning curve. And the first race I actually had in that car was a short course race. So it made it even worse. Um, cause I was kind of expected to basically use all of the motor on a short course race where you hang it out and really put the pedal to the metal, you know? Um, but the whole goal was just to make that car finish for that race and get all the bugs out and whatnot. Um, I think, I don't, it it would be weird going back to a smaller motor now.
0: (laughs) That's good to hear. Hopefully that never happens. I hope not. (laughs) Unless you come out rock crawling, because you don't need that kind of motor rock crawling. No. (laughs) So, um, I guess the last thing, the last thing I, I want to hear is, you know, what you what you personally think of all of the racing and being a woman in motorsports and being you know somebody that that people know is going to be a challenger at the races you know there's some <laughs> there's some people that'll always be that back of the pack but that is rarely thought of as any campbell being at the back of the pack <laughs> and you being the princess of the family <laughs> Which is a good thing, okay? Like you said, you know, want to be that first queen of the the rocks. What uh, <laughs> what what do you think of all that?
1: That's a that's a good question. You know, I say this every time somebody brings up being a female in motorsports, and and I'll keep saying it because it's true. And my dad has always taught me not to be, or not to throw basically the girl card. You know, I've grown up around all these guys, and I feel like I've gained their respect and have really worked for where I'm at now. And I I don't, I just feel like I'm like any other person out there, um, whether it be a guy or another female. And I just really think if You're going to be in a sport like this. It's, it's fun for it to be a hobby, but if you really want it, you need to work for it, you know, learn your car, get to know the people around you and build the friendship inside that community. Like my family has an ultra four dirt riot and we rock and past series. So,
0: yeah, I agree. Do you do you feel that uh, that I I think you're a great representation and a model for a lot of young ladies out there that may be interested in racing? And yeah. do you uh, does that ever cross your mind when you're walking through the pits or through a spectator area? You know.
1: Oh yes, I. I love all the little girls that come up to me. I actually had one um, in Sturgis, and it's Paul Horschel's daughter. Um, She's the sweetest little thing, and she just, she loves to hang all over me, and she's so goofy, and anytime I walk past a little girl, I'm like, I'm so glad your parents brought you out here to just even see the race. If they're not interested, just to hear that little bit of horsepower going around the course, like it might spark an interest somewhere down the road. And if I say hi to them, maybe it'll give them even more interest and just make their
0: day. Excellent. Excellent. Well, with that, I would like to say thank you so much for coming on board and spending some time and talking to us and, and letting your fans and rock sport fans out there um, know a little bit more about Bailey
1: thanks rich i hope i answered all your questions
0: oh absolutely absolutely is there anything here's here's one is there anything that you want to ask me i know that's a hard thing to throw at you at the last second without you thinking about it but is there any any question you've ever wanted to ask me
1: where is your favorite place to host a rock crawling event
0: Ooh, that's a tough one (laughs)
1: <laughs> There's
0: a lot. Yeah, there is. Um, you know, and I'd have to break it down into a couple of different spots. Um, Donner Ski Ranch is one of those places that, even though it's so hard to put an event on there because of the elevation and getting the spectators up to the event site area, it is just so beautiful and the rocks are <laughs> so extreme that uh, it's a it's a great place for a competition you have Cedar city, which is the ease and access to great rocks is just so incredible. Um, you know, you're close to town. It's all right there. Um, Mm -hmm. Farmington it's, you know, it's big, it's, uh, it's spectator friendly. Um, it can put the fear into even the staunchest best drivers (laughs) when they look at, you know, you're 60 feet above the, the surface of the, you know, I mean, you're on a, a rock face at 60 feet above ground, yeah. you know, the flats. Um, and then there's places like uh, Dayton, Tennessee, where, you know, the crowds at night and under the lights is just, you know, incredible. So it's really hard to pick one. But, you know, for each one of those reasons, those are probably the four favorite. You know, okay. I wish that people could get out and see more of like, Katemsi Rocks out in Mason, Texas. I mean, incredible! It's like Cedar City and Moab all, or Moab and uh, Farmington all wrapped up into one in a in a you know a small park setting. Um, but it's a place out in the middle. You know, you're you're an hour and a half from from any big city, so it's a uh, it's a little harder for people to find out about and get to. But it's a place that's that's dear to my heart as well. So there you go. I love it. I love it. All right. Bailey, you take care, and I can't wait to see you again. And uh, hug that little girl, Emery, for me, and uh, (laughs) we'll uh, we'll talk again later.
1: All right. Sounds good, Rich. Thank you.
0: Okay. Thank you, Bailey. Take care. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that's another episode of Conversations with Big Rich. I'd like to thank you all for listening. If you could do us a favor and uh, leave us a review on any podcast service that you happen to be listening on, or send us an email or a text message or a Facebook message, and let me know uh, any ideas that you have, or if there's anybody that you have that you think would be a great guest, please forward the contact information to me so that we can uh, try to get them on. And always remember, live life to the fullest. Enjoying life is a must. Follow your dreams and live life with all the gusto you can. Thank you.